It wasn't pretty for BYU Saturday afternoon in Austin, Texas, taking on the Longhorns, a 35-6 beatdown at the hands of Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. What went wrong? It's a film review Monday as a look back at the loss for the Cougars and what can be changed as they get ready for West Virginia this Saturday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And, of course, a big thank you for checking us out. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. They've been working on this for months now. The best part about, best part about Prize Picks is they're making daily fantasy sports uh, easy. That's simple as that. We'll talk a little bit more about them as today's show progresses, but let's dive right in. It's a film review Monday of the Locked On Cougars podcast. You guys uh, who have been listening to us know exactly what we do on Mondays. We'll look back at the game that was for BYU. We'll do a postcast edition in the immediate aftermath of the game. Then I sit down and go back and rewatch the game and have my thoughts after rewatching it a second time and get a better feel, I think, for what I'm taking away and what BYU needs to work on, most notably heading into their next game, which this week is at West Virginia. If you did not see it is it will be a five o'clock mountain time kickoff that's seven o'clock for those of you making the trip to morgantown west virginia so if you believe that byu is a night team folks well the big 12 and uh and uh fox sports one are helping byu out because it will be after dark out there in west virginia as the cougars and the mountaineers do battle in morgantown but uh first things first let's talk about what was what was good from a 35 to 6 loss to the texas longhorns and i know that sounds like an oxymoron because byu got beat handily by Steve Sarkeesian in Texas. But the thing is about this, I thought BYU's defense came to play ball. Rewatching the game a second time, yeah, they had their struggles, especially in the run game at times. But the nice part was for BYU, it felt like they fit up against a top-level offense in Texas a lot better than they have in other games. And I'm not saying that other t- teams have had the same tel- caliber of athletes that Texas has because they don't. But the thing is, BYU had a much more cohesive identity on defense and played better as a unit, it felt like, across the board in this game. Yes, there were foibles. You had a guy get beat for a touchdown, speaking of Raider DeMooney, when he got juked out into oblivion on that touchdown pass. But the thing is, I really liked what BYU's defensive line did. They did a better job playing with better leverage in this game. And in particular, I want to give a shout-out to Atunai Samahe. He had one of his finest games in a BYU uniform I feel like that I've ever seen him play and he's been playing at BYU for quite a while it's not to say that guys like uh, uh, Jackson Cravens and other guys on the interior BYU's defensive line weren't good because Jackson Cravens actually single-handedly stuffed one of those fourth down stops BYU had on the goal line for Texas it felt like the nice part was you needed a second defensive tackle to step up and Atunai Samahe filled that role on Saturday now can you parlay that forward 
into the final month of the season here and be that defensive tackle that BYU needs to really make this a much better, a much stingier defensive front. Hopefully. I would truly hope that that can be the case, but we'll have to wait and see. The the sample size uh, shows that it's up and down with Mahe, but the nice part is I thought he had a very, very fine performance against Texas. Now, the other thing I really liked uh, defensively, Siali Sarah is going to be an absolute star for BYU. He's already six foot three. He's already uh, 245 pounds, and the two biggest runs uh, of, of note for me for Texas in this game against BYU came after Cialia Serra was uh, subbed out of the game. The very next play on both of them, they busted him for big uh, runs, and that's the thing about this. Cialia Serra has been very, very stout in the small sample size we've seen him so far this year after he's been recovering from an injury, uh, but since he has taken the field, I completely understand why Kalani Satake said after the game that they're going to just burn his redshirt. They're going to play in more than four games because he's he is on his way, folks. It feels like he very well could start against West Virginia this week. He's been that impressive, and he was that impressive, I thought, against Texas. Uh, he is still a young player, and there's probably going to be mistakes. He had a couple of missed tackles in this game against Texas, but you can see everything points to him being a future star for BYU at the linebacker position. I was very, very impressed with him. I, I really thought uh, he showed well. The nice part was also is those fourth down stops for BYU on the goal line. Jacob Robinson's getting blocked on one of them and makes enough of enough contact with the wide receiver on the what was supposed to be a screen route and gets the tackle on the goal line. I mentioned Jackson Cravens uh, beats his one-on-one with the uh, def- uh, with the offensive lineman and then gets in on the tackle, aided by some of his teammates' his stuff. Uh, Xavier, I think it was Xavier Worthy, maybe, maybe it was somebody else. Uh, uh, it was Jonathan Brooks, if I'm not mistaken, on the goal line. Those two fourth-down stops are things that BYU can build upon. They can believe that they can get stops against a very good team. And that's that. The, there's like I said, there's not a ton of positives to come out of a 35 to six loss, but it really feels like BYU's defense held up. Uh, by and large, against a withering offensive uh, attack. I'm, I'm telling you, Texas has got elite athletes across the board, and BYU's defense, in many respects, held their own against them. Were there mistakes? Absolutely. Were there things that can be cleaned up? There always is. But I really like what BYU's defense did in this game in particular. Now, one other positive before we talk about some of the other things that I th- feel like need to be fixed are that uh, BYU, many of us uh, were crowing, and yours truly included, during the game about the lack of crossing routes for BYU in this game. We saw Houston a week previous to this just absolutely ripping Texas up on crossing routes. Rewatching the game, I missed this, but BYU ran a lot more crossing routes in this game and unfortunately they did not connect on a lot of them. They did connect on a few but they could have run more probably but there were crossing routes in there. So they did not uh, completely abandon uh, what was working against Texas, speaking of what Houston had done and uh, Oklahoma to a degree as well. But I think they could have run more, if that makes sense, and probably would have had a little more success, it feels like. And then finally, the other positive note for me, I liked Aiden Robbins' vision and his decision-making in this game. It was tough sledding for BYU running the football. They still didn't finish with 95 rushing yards, which uh, compared to some of the other outputs BYU's had this season, it's one of their better, if not uh, second or third best, rushing outputs of the year. I liked Aiden Robbins. There was no dancing. He was picking his holes and hitting it, and he was just getting through the line, knifing in there, and trying to pick up those yardage when he could, because this was a very, very good defensive front. Sweat, the number 93, the big 360-pound bowling ball of a nose tackle they've got. He was a load for BYU to try and stop in this game, and uh, I really thought BYU actually uh, got some good uh play from Aiden Robbins in this. The other thing about this was, I thought he did a good job setting up his blocks at times as well. He would be uh, heading towards the line, uh, 
deke one way and then go back the other. It was it was good to see Aiden Robbins. He's coming into his own. Can the final month of the season be the coming out party and uh, truthfully see what Aiden Robbins is made of for BYU on offense? It would go a long way, it feels like, to helping BYU have at least a win or two more on the resume going into the postseason. But uh, the thing is, the BYU offensive line has got to do their part as well. So let's talk. So that, those are the positives. That's what I took away from BYU that I think are good from this Texas game. But what needs to be fixed? What are the things I think are glaring issues for BYU? And uh, most notably, they involve the offense, uh, as many of you might might have uh, expected. But we'll talk about those here in just a second. Real quick word on our friends over at Athletic Brewing. Of course, Athletic Brewing is here, my friends, because they are changing the near beer game. They want you guys also uh, to give it a shot. The best part is they have completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game, and they make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And that's why they are introducing uh, what they've been weekly all season long, the Game Changer of the Week. And this week I am uh, giving that honor to Crew Wakely. I thought Wakely was very, very good for BYU. Had a big interception early on in this game. Unfortunately, BYU could not capitalize on his uh, nice return. They had a penalty and then subsequent uh, turnover of their own. But I thought Wakely was one of the leading tacklers for BYU was hitting guys left and right in this game. It was impressive to see him do his thing. It was one of BYU's leading tacklers against the Texas Longhorns. Very impressed with what he put out, and that's obviously why I made him the game changer of the week from our friends at Athletic Brewing. The best part is Athletic Brewing makes non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They have full flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer, and these beers have eaten full-strength beers out in global competitions. It's that simple, my friends. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and many, many anymore. So give them a shot, my friends, and go to your local retailer and pick them up today. Or if you want to go online, we'll save you a little bit of a dinero on that. And by going to athleticbrewing.com, first-time customers, you use the promo code Locked On and get 15% off your order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. They've been working with us for a while now. And the best part is that they have passion, driving, patience. That's all what we all are striving for. That's what brings home the winning trophy and what also keeps your ride or die alive. That's where eBay Motors comes in. They have everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed fit. Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash, my friends. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that victory. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's our friends at eBay Motors. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply and eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us on the podcast. If you guys would like to go out to BYU men's basketball's exhibition game on Wednesday night, now is the time to enter uh, right now. I have uh, another. Uh, so today's interesting. I've got a three-pack of tickets. So if you have, uh, if you're a parent who's got two kids who are dying to go watch BYU, you're a guy who's got two buddies that want to go, whatever it is, I got, I got a three-pack of tickets. It's three tickets. I know it's an awkward number, but I got three tickets for you guys to go out and watch BYU and uh, Life Christian uh, do battle on the hardwoods at the Marriott Center on Wednesday night. Email me now, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Let us know uh, that you're interested in those tickets. We'll get get you hooked up. We'll uh, pick a random entrant, and we'll give you those tickets, and you can go out and enjoy some basketball on Wednesday night. All right, so uh, what went wrong for BYU in this uh, game against Texas? Well, there was a lot because the offense was MIA, and 
that it was disappointing that BYU could not really get anything going on offense. Uh, kicked two field goals, didn't get any touchdowns on this. But the thing about this in uh, in this game is that Malik Murphy floated balls uh, quite often in this game. His first career start for him. Uh, playing for the Texas Longhorns, and uh, he was far from perfect in this game. He did throw that interception. He also had the strip sack uh, that uh, it was Isaiah Banya stripped it out and recovered it. He had he made mistakes in this game, but he was floating footballs far too often in this game. BYU needed to make him pay uh, more heavily than they did. I think a big part of that is is the health and the the availability of elite playmakers at safety may have caught up to BYU in this game. And I'm not saying that uh, Micah Harper or Tanner Wall or insert whoever you want at safety into this conversation, Talon Alfrey, whoever it might be. I'm not saying that any one of them would have made the difference, but it would have been nice to see another uh, another body out there, maybe with a little more speed, maybe be uh, capable of getting in and making some more plays because some of these balls from Malik Murphy absolutely floated. Now, the other thing about this is, is the BYU, this is kind of the classic uh, case of what BYU has fought against for years uh, watching this tape back against Texas. BYU is a solid football player program by and large, and that's the historical nature for BYU. But the one thing BYU has always struggled with, you can go back to the Lavelle Edwards era when he admitted it, uh, he said it on the record multiple times, is that elite speed is something that BYU is always going to struggle with. And I'll tell you what, Texas had elite speed, and they used it to their advantage in this game against BYU. They said, our athletes are simply put better than your athletes, and we're going to go out there and win those battles more often than not. And they did. Uh, They piled up 35 points. As a result, they probably could have had a couple more had those goal line stops not occurred for BYU. But uh, it was a credit to Texas. They said, you know what? Steve Sarkeesian said, okay, I know what we're going up against here in BYU. We're going to have to win our one-on-one battles. I need you guys to go out and out-athlete BYU and outrun them. And that's what Texas did in many respects. So you want to see uh, BYU continue to upgrade the recruiting uh, profile of this program in the Power Five. I'm not saying that BYU is ever going to have elite speed. I, I highly anticipate that will not be the case, but you can see BYU level up it, uh, just in overall athleticism and speed on this defense and offense as well. I'm expecting that will happen over the uh, ensuing years as BYU plays in the Big 12 Conference because, simply put, when you're a Power Five uh, program, you have a better access to athletes than you would have had uh, being outside of the group, and that's that's something that BYU needs to focus on here. Uh, I really liked uh, the BYU. I, I didn't like, excuse me, the BYU special teams gaffes continue for BYU. A shanked punt, uh, some dis, uh, questionable decisions in terms of returning the kicks uh, by Keelan Marion. I know that he's got a lot of confidence in his, his ability to make plays as a kick returner, but at times you're putting the offense, which is already having enough issues of its own, in a hole by not getting it past the 25 yard line. There are times just say, you know what, I'm going to take the knee here. We're going to take the ball to 25 and see what we can do with it. The other thing was is that that punt return uh, for a touchdown, you cannot afford to let elite athletes like Xavier Worthy just rip you right up the gut like he did on that one. You've got to be better in special teams. And it's, it's similar to the offense. It's been a kind of a season-long issue for BYU. They'll have one part of special teams that seems to be working for a time, and then that part will kind of break down while another part uh, seems to correct itself. You want to see it all come together. You cannot afford to have these special teams gaffes. It's just, it's stuff that's going to hurt you more often than it's going to, than anything else. And 
it's a, it's kind of a minor thing. I get that, but giving up a punt return touchdown kind of set the tone. It felt like from the rest of the game. And that's the tough part about it is the BYU seemed to have guys in position to potentially make a play on that, but the effort level uh, it felt like la- was lacking a little bit on that. I know that I'm sure that uh, Kelly Papinga, the special teams coordinator, ripped into his guys after they came off the field, and they did play better in punt return coverage the rest of the game when they were out there. But the damage was already done, and that, that's the tough part. Is BYU wants special teams to be a to be something that they can rely on. And traditionally, under Kalani Satake, special teams has been solid, and it's not been something that necessarily has hurt them. This year, it's hurt them a number of times. you got to have that uh, corrected. I, I don't I, Similar to a lot of this stuff we're talking about here, I don't have a perfect answer for it. If I did, I'd probably be on staff at BYU. Uh, I'm an armchair analyst, and that's that's my job, but uh, you need to get that cleaned up. Now, one of the final uh, minor note on the special team side of things, the, uh, the punt returner roulette you're doing right now, uh, putting Hobbs Knight out there at times, and then Parker Kingston out there. You got to make a decision on which guy it's going to be. I, I just it's a like I said, it's a minor thing, but pick a guy. I think uh, Parker Kingston should be the guy because he's young. And he's go, obviously going to be able to grow with this program. Hobbs has been a serviceable returner for BYU for a number of years, but he's going to age out of the program before too long. Why not give Parker Kingston all the reps and see what he's capable of? That kid has got elite track speed, and I'd like to see him uh, finally get a chance to utilize it on in the return game, and hopefully that will uh, continue to. Uh, we'll see that happen in coming weeks. All right, so final notes in terms of the ugly. There's a couple of things uh, for BYU that I think that absolutely just grind my gears because we're now we're eight games into the season. We're going into the month of November. It's Halloween tomorrow, so it's the final stanza of the season, and there's stuff that is still an issue for BYU that was an issue in game one that Kalani Satake promised would get cleaned up, and it continues to hurt and hamper BYU's chances in every game they've played so far this year in many Respects, and we'll talk about those as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, a word real quick on our friends over at Prize Picks. We've been talking about them. Uh, we mentioned them at the top of today's show. What is about Prize Picks, my friends? They are the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, and it's just you versus the numbers. You're not having to battle thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more or less than on uh, more or less on numbers for two to six players' stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. It's simple as that, my friends. The best part is that you can win up to 25 times times the amount bet from our friends with Daily Fantasy over at Prize Picks. They're really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit the entry in less than 60 seconds. And the best part is they have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fees, daily fantasy sports app. And they also offer pr- uh, weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Every Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts uh, select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. They also also af- offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So take advantage of it today, my friends. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on college and get started today. Use that promo code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. You heard that right. Promo code locked on college at pricepicks.com slash locked on college. They'll match your uh, deposit up to $100. Simply put, it's a fantastic way to have fun with daily fantasy sports. It's all courtesy of your friends at Price Picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday uh, whenever you hear this. All right, here uh, is the ugly for me for BYU. The offensive line continues to be a massive massive liability for BYU. They cannot get to the second level in their run game. In many respects, BYU, and I'm, I, I'm criticizing the run game, but I'm actually telling you, I thought the, the run uh, uh, rush... Um, 
The run blocking for BYU, in many respects, was actually better than the pass blocking was in this game. Keaton Slovis was not good, and that's the other ugly I've got here. Keaton Slovis, he he looks out of sorts right now. I don't know what happened to his confidence, but the decisive uh, quarterback we saw against the likes of Kansas and Cincinnati where he was on point and firing the ball and was getting out of his, ha- out of his hand quickly. Now he's double clutching stuff. Uh, the interceptions, I'll actually give him uh, a break on the two interceptions he actually threw in this game. Uh, one uh, went off, was deflected at the line of scrimmage. The other one off the fingertips of uh, Darius Lasseter. There were three or four other throws in this game against Texas that very nearly could have been picked off that were far worse decisions. The two, obviously, on the uh, second uh, possession for BYU with this game were abysmal. That's the thing about this is Keaton Slovis, he feels like he's in his own head. and Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, maybe he's uh, dealing with something we're not sure of, but he does not look like the same quarterback that BYU uh, has expected to have and needs right now. Does that mean I think he should be benched right away and they should go all in on Jake Retzloff? No, I don't think you necessarily can do that at this point because Jake Retzloff has not had a lot of first-string reps all season, folks. The The simple fact of the matter, the other thing about this is when you're a first-string quarterback, you're getting 80-90% to 90% of the reps with the first-string offense in practice each week. The other 10% go to the twos and the threes, and that's just simply put, not enough reps to really feel comfortable and saying, okay, let's throw Jake Retzloff in there and see what he can do. I think you can start to start splitting the reps this week in practice for BYU and maybe you have some scripted series for him against West Virginia speaking of Jake Retzloff but I just don't think you can go wholesale in on switching quarterbacks at this point unless you're just decided you know what as many of you have advocated for it's time to make the switch and see what you got in Jake Retzloff I'm not making that decision. It'll ultimately come down to Kalani Satake, Aaron Roderick, and the other uh, people in that room I'm sure Fessy Satake etc would have a say on that but I just, I, I, you need to continue to see what you can get out of Keaton Slovis, but at the same time, I'm also advocating for Jake Retzloff to start to see more game action. So I'm not saying uh, you dump Retz, uh, you dump Slovis for Retzloff, but I think you start to work Retzloff in because this is the time to do it. You need to see, at least in some small capacity, what he's capable of uh, doing in at this level because if he's not the guy, you got to hit the transfer portal once again, or maybe you got to look at other options. Is it Ryder Burton? Is it Cade Fennigan? That's the question that BYU has on their hands now because Keaton Slovis, he was one and done here at BYU. And obviously the hope was that He'd come in, enjoy a, a super senior season with the Cougars as a grad transfer. Then Jake Retzloff could step into the role. Well, now is the time. Now is the time to start that transition and give Retzloff those reps. Like I said, I don't see necessarily being all out on uh, uh, Slovis and all in on Retzloff quite yet. But maybe at some point in the next uh, two to three weeks, you do ultimately give a start uh, to Jake Retzloff if things continue to spiral like they uh, have been uh, with Keaton Slovis. Now, as I mentioned, the offensive line they. They do need to protect Keaton Slovis better. They need to give him extra time in the passing uh, attack. They are giving up way too much pressure too early. Uh, Traditionally, people uh, will talk about quarterbacks having three and a half to four seconds to get the ball out of their hands. Uh, Tom Brady was famous for not taking more than two and a half seconds to unload it. Uh, It just makes it tough for the pass rush to get there. But when you're giving up pressure less than a second, maybe less than two seconds into a play, it's not good enough. As I said, I thought BYU's uh, run blocking and in large stretches of this game was better than BYU's pass blocking. So it's not one thing, it's another for BYU's offensive front. I felt like they had taken a step forward against Texas Tech, and it feels like against Texas they took a step back. So I don't have a great answer for that. And the other thing about this is uh, BYU's uh, 
ability to shoot their shoot themselves in the foot continues to be an absolutely horrendous thing. Uh, I'm going to take you to a sequence that uh, just reminded me of this, watching this back against Texas. Many of you might recall that phenomenal effort by Darius Lasser to go up over two de- Texas defenders and come down with that phenomenal catch. It was something like a 40-yard gain, the uh, biggest pass of the day for BYU. Gets them into scoring territory. The very next play, they do a fly sweep to Keelan Marion, and for whatever reason... Aiden Robbins thought it was a handoff to him, and he comes up like he's going to take the football, but Keelan Marion is right there at the mesh point, and they take each other out. Friendly fire, uh, tackle for loss technically for Texas as a result of that play, and you see Keelan Marion look at him like, what are you doing, man? Okay, we're eight games into this season. You cannot continue to have this miscommunication of guys not knowing what what the play call is. How does Aiden Robbins not know it's a fly sweep? What what did he see on the play cards and the signals coming in that had him thinking, you know what, I'm getting a handoff here. But meanwhile, Keelan Marion, which it was called for Keelan Marion because that's who Keaton Slovis handed the ball off to, is, is Noah's, I'm going with a fly sweep. That play nuked that drive. BYU ended up kicking the field goal. As you may recall, there were two uh, ineffective screens after that on second and third down, and they trotted out Will Farron for the field goal. That is just a microcosm of something that is just, it's eight games into the season. You cannot continue to have this happening for BYU. For all the good that Aiden Robbins did in this game, and he was very good, that, that sequence of plays, it, it, it's just, it, it, that's kind of the microcosm of why BYU fans out there are frustrated with this offense. They have a great play, and then they go and screw everything up on the very next play, seemingly, and in this case, quite literally, the very next play. You got to get out of your own way, and if you can't, you, you just you can't continue to do this. If you do, well, guess what? You got a very very strong month in November coming up. You're going to West Virginia this week. You'll come home to host both uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma, and then you're at Oklahoma State. You have got some very very tough games. Where is that sixth win going to come? I'm assuming it's coming this week or next week if you're going to get it. Because if you don't. I don't fancy the chances right now of BYU hosting Oklahoma and Provo and getting a win there or going to a resurgent Oklahoma State on Thanksgiving weekend, having all the pressure of knowing you got to win and get into the postseason or else. It's just it's something that I would hope that BYU can avoid. So uh, we'll obviously break down uh, West Virginia this week. Our friends at FanDuel currently have BYU, as I record this podcast, as a 8.5-point underdog uh, going, uh, to, uh, going to West Virginia. So uh, they're decided uh, nearly double-digit dog in this game because in the betting parlance, you usually get three points as a, as a home team. So it's going to be tough sledding for BYU as they head to Morgantown, but that's why you line up and play the game to see what you're capable of doing, if, speaking of the BYU football program. So there you go. Uh, those are my notes. I've exhausted all of them, and I, I think I've got them all out on the table now. Now, a couple other notes before we wrap up real quick. Uh, congratulations once again to the BYU cross-country programs. The number four-ranked BYU women's cross-country program collected the first Big 12 title in BYU athletics history with their win at the Big 12 championships over the weekend. Great showing for Diljeet Taylor's uh, team out there at Iowa State. Congratulations to them on the run at Iowa. They win the conference championship with 35 points, be, uh, besting number six Oklahoma State's 39 points. Meanwhile, the number three ranked men's uh, cross country program uh, lost out uh, to Oklahoma State, who was the four time defending champions uh, in this event in the Big 12 championships. Oklahoma State finished with 25 points. Impressive showing for the Cowboys. The Cougars, uh, to their credit, finished with 55 points to finish in second place. So 
Not the best showing uh, for BYU. Uh, Creed Thompson was BYU's top finisher on the men's side of things, but uh, they will now get ready for the Mountain Regionals. I think those are being held. The Mountain Regionals is being held in Lubbock, Texas. Seem like an oxymoron, but nonetheless, that's where they're being held here in a couple of weeks. And then a tough weekend uh, similar to BYU football for BYU women's volleyball. The number 8-ranked Cougars were swept in back-to-back matches at Kansas State this past weekend. Surprising losses, and especially considering you didn't take a set in either one of these matches, uh, losing to the Wildcats. Cats 3-0, 3-0. So a tough uh, weekend for BYU women's volleyball. They'll look to bounce back uh, this week when they welcome Cincinnati to the Smith Fieldhouse this coming Friday and Saturday. And the final note for you guys today is that BYU women's soccer, uh, they opened their Big 12 uh, championship run with a match against Oklahoma. It was supposed to be held in Round Rock, Texas, but due to weather uh, incoming, they decided to move them to the uh, campus of uh, Texas, the Texas Longhorns there in Austin. Uh, BYU and Oklahoma will square off at 4.30 Mountain Time. Uh, this afternoon. If you want to tune in, it'll be on Big 12 uh, now on ESPN+. Plus. So check that out. Uh, hopefully, uh, BYU Women's Soccer can uh, dispatch the Oklahoma Sooners and make a run uh, in the Big 12 championships. All right, so there you go. You got everything I, I've got for you guys on a Monday edition of the podcast. Tomorrow on the show, we'll have uh, uh, Connor Pay. It is Halloween, so uh, maybe I'll dress up. Maybe I won't. We'll see what uh, I, I decide to, to cook up for you guys on a Halloween edition of the podcast. And until then, uh, thank you once again for making it your making Locked On Cougars your first listen to the day. And thank you to all of you for being everydayers with us here on the podcast as well. Once again, if you'd like to enter to win a three-pack, three tickets uh, to watch BYU men's basketball in action at the Smithfield, uh, not Smithfield House, the Marriott Center on Wednesday night against Life Pacific, email us now and get entered to win. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address, and we'll get you hooked up with those tickets. So until tomorrow, my friends, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. Hope you guys have a great day once again, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. See ya.